What's going on, everybody? This is Black Men Sundays. I'm your host, Corey Sylvester Murray. We're talking about generational wealth, finance, and of course, business. And before we introduce today's guest, my man, Eric, who do you have for our Black Men Sunday Spotlight? Hey, Corey, thanks for that. Um, today's person that I'm uh, we're gonna highlight today, I want you to meet Miss Maya Penn. Now, Miss Maya Penn, is an entrepreneur that started her first company. And check this out. She did all this at the age of eight years old. So let me tell you a little bit about, a little bit about Maya. Maya's creativity and her aspiration know no bounds. Like I said, at the age of eight, she made an extraordinary entry to the world of entrepreneurship. And since then, she has not even looked back. In fact, describing her as an entrepreneur is a limitation of her potential and what she's been doing over the years. And she's also a climate change activist and is very creative. She sketches cartoons for TV. Now her credibility has reached a pedestal where she now rubs shoulders with the likes of media moguls like Oprah Winfrey and former First Lady Michelle Obama. She's also interfaced with the Fortune 500 companies. She also came to the limelight following the establishment of Maya's Ideas, which is an eco-friendly clothing line and again, this young lady is only eight years old. She announced at that time that a portion of sales that she made, the proceeds of that will go to an environmental charities. That's my spotlight for today, Ms. Maya Penn. Now back to you, Corey. Thank you, Eric, for that Black Men Sunday spotlight. Like I said, every week we have a Black Men Sunday spotlight. It's not Black History Month, it's Black Men Sunday spotlight. But let's introduce today's guest because this sister is decorated. We're talking about Angela Lewis. She's the pride of St. Louis. When I think of St. Louis, I think of Bradley Bill. I think of Shamequa Holesclaw. But also in that Bradley Bill class, because I'm in Orlando, I think of Austin Rivers. This sister here went to St. Louis University, scored over a thousand points, had over a thousand boards. Let's get to some of these accolades. This sister won the Robin Roberts Sports Communication Award. That's how we're coming today. This sister wrote four books. She's a CEO of the ALA Public Relations. This sister also has Angela Lewis basketball where she develops women and girls as leaders. So without further ado, because I want her to let y'all know who she is. Angela Lewis, welcome to Black Men Sunday, sister. How you doing? Corey, thank you so much for having me. I'm wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. And I must say this, you know, because I didn't get 6'1 until I was about in 11th grade. You were 6'1 in the seventh grade. I mean, you got to tell me a little bit about that. I wish I had that height. Yes, I have been this tall for a very, very long time. But you know, as a 12 year old being 6'1, you feel pretty uncomfortable in your own skin. And it wasn't until I started playing basketball where I saw other girls who were just as tall as me and I felt comfortable. And it gave me some affirmation around like that I could really be successful and I could use sport as a way to open doors. Definitely. And you're the author of four books, one in particular that I do want to talk about because this is Black Men Sundays. Like I said, we're talking about generational wealth, finance and business. I want to talk about the book, The Game Changing Assist, Six Simple Ways to Choose Success. This Black Men Sundays is to hook us up. So The Game Changing Assist, Six Simple Ways to Choose Success is all about us taking responsibility for our lives. I specifically wrote the book for young women. However, the principles in the book are valid for anyone. So in the book, I talk about having a vision for your future because clarity creates confidence. I talk about understanding the values that it takes to get to that vision. 
understanding that you're going to have to go through some valleys on the way, reaching the point of victory, volunteering, and then also understanding that everything that we do is connected to someone else. And our responsibility is really to give assist and to help other people. But an assist only works if the person scores, right? So in order for other people to make the right decision, they have to be trained and understand what it takes to make things happen. And so anything that we do is really to assist others. So the book was an, a culmination of my experiences in an attempt to assist others to achieve success. Definitely. And in my intro, I mentioned names as Bradley Bill, Shamiqua Holesclaw. The two names I mentioned, I noticed that you've interviewed them on your podcast. So just from being from St. Louis, just being uplifting in your community, because this is Black Men's Studies, we're talking about generational wealth. How has talking to them and interacting with them made it better in St. Louis? Well, Bradley Bill has done some amazing and incredible work from the basketball team that he sponsors to boys and girls clubs that he grew up sponsoring to, I think he's even invested in a facility that they're now building. And so Brad's legacy in St. Louis is undeniable and will go on for a long time. So talking to Brad was a really big deal because that interview that I had with him actually was when we announced that he was taking on the Eagles organization and the team would be named after him. So that was a very, very special, very special interview with him. And then interviewing Shamiqua Holtzclaw was a dream come true. I idolized her growing up. As everyone knows, she played at the University of Tennessee. They called her the female Michael Jordan. She was doing things that we really hadn't seen before in that era because she grew up in the era where women's basketball games were beginning to be televised. So before like the mid, late nineties, early two thousands, we really didn't see that. And so it was, it was really a dream come true to be able to interview her. So speaking of basketball in that era, I went to Old Dominion University 98, 99. In those years, I got to see Nairi Roberts. I got to see Tisha Penacharo. And also Tennessee would come in. It would be number one versus number two. So I was sitting right there up close with that. So that's why I had to mention that to you. But let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, like I said, you were the Robin Roberts Sports Communication Award winner. That's a big deal. And I want to transition to the Angela Lewis basketball because you're developing our sisters and girls as leaders. So let's talk about that. The Robin Roberts Sports Communication Award was one of the most proud moments of my earlier career. I was a senior in college and they were looking to highlight and celebrate women who were athletes, but who were interested in a career around communication and sports specifically. And so I won the award. It helped pay for grad school. I got to meet Robin Roberts, of course, take pictures with her. And she was just so graceful and dynamic and kind. And I always remembered that. And that kind of led into me wanting to give back. I think most athletes understand that there were coaches and parents and uncles and aunties who helped us out. And being able to create an organization that supported that in the way that Robin has done, as we mentioned, Brad and so many others, was really powerful. You are speaking to us in Medellin, Colombia. You know, we're worldwide, but I think you're the first guest we've had from Medellin. So let's talk a little bit about some finance, some business. So, you know, are Perfect. you an owner? Do you do any real estate? Do you do any crypto? Do you do any stocks and bonds? Like, let's talk a little bit about some sure. 
So I have a company, ALA Public Relations, and we work with service-based entrepreneurs to place them on podcasts to help them share how their work is transforming others and in turn, grow their businesses. And so that's my primary business. And I reinvest all of my money into the business, into our team. There are four people who work on my team. They're amazing. Shout out to Andrea, Marielle, Myra, and Liliana. They're incredible. And so all of the work that I do in terms of business and investment goes back into um, my business because I believe in the work that we're doing. Got you. Now in Medellin, Colombia, how did you get there? I got to Medellin because I actually had basketball. Basketball brought me here. And see, in 2020, the world shut down, right, from COVID. Everything changed for everybody, including myself. And so I knew that I wanted to explore and go other places, but wasn't sure where. And I got a DM from someone I know from the basketball world. And he says, hey, I'm coaching this team on Imanizales, Colombia. They're having this women's basketball bubble. Y'all remember when the NBA did that bubble in Vegas? Yeah, and they did one here in Orlando. So I definitely remember that. Yeah, okay. I didn't realize they had one in Orlando. Well, they had the same bubble for professional women's basketball in Medellin in December, early, late November, early December of 2020. So he DMs me. And then I have friends who live in Medellin. So that's the more direct answer. And so I was like, oh, this is a sign from the Lord, right? (laughs) I have friends in Medellin. There's this basketball bubble. I've always had this vision of doing basketball clinics and camps globally. I'm going to book a flight. So book my flight, come down to Medellin. And the team actually flew me out to Manizales to do this four-day basketball clinic for these girls. All these babies spoke Spanish. And there was someone translating for me. But it was amazing. Amazing. So the basketball brought me here. And before I left, I booked my flight back because I loved Medellin. But I knew that basketball honestly wouldn't sustain my life at this time. I needed to do something a little different. And the basketball piece would only be philanthropic and not for profit from that moment forth. And that's when I started the PR agency, because if the world shut down again or something happened where the gyms closed, I knew that I would need to do something that was virtual. And I'd already, as you mentioned before, I already had a podcast. I'd already published books. So I knew what it felt like to pitch to podcasts, but I also knew what it felt like to actually manage and produce. And so getting to Medellin for me was visiting first, seeing the place that I loved in terms of the way I wanted to live, and then being able to launch a business from this place to sustain the life that I have now. Wow, that's a great answer. And you know, you mentioned uh, Liliana. I want to thank her as well because uh she blessed me with you and with another person that we've had on our show. So, I mean, ALA Public Relations is already in motion. We are already Black Men Sundays Ooh. connected. But I want to um, definitely, but I want to stay on the money. And then I want to transition okay. to a little bit more serious because I already see the brothers on the line. I see their chops. They're ready to they're ready to ask you a few questions. But I have two more, one more money question. So while you're in Colombia, from a real estate perspective, are you an owner there in Colombia? And if you are. How is it going from a financial perspective in the real estate game? It's a really great question. I rent. I'm a big proponent, definitely at this time in my life, of renting everything. I used to own a home in the States. I've sold homes, sold rental properties. I am very nomadic in nature. So I think when we talk about the types of investments, it really needs to align with who you are and your value system. But there are a lot of people investing in real estate here. 
for those who do just know the systems are different than they are in the states <laughs> and so things don't always move like they move in the states however i live in airbnbs i love living in airbnbs i don't know um, how many other people share this perspective but i literally just moved from one airbnb to another one i pay 850 per month it's a two bedroom two bath the building has a sauna jacuzzi whirlpool three balconies looking out at the mountains in one of the nicest areas for 850 per month like i don't know where else i could live like this and i walk in and of course it's fully set up i don't have to buy furniture so i just take my clothes and my laptops and my ring light wherever i go you know a lot of brothers talk about wanting to get on with a private private equity funds. Mm -hmm. um, what advice would you have about that? So for those who are interested in being a part of a private equity fund, um, I think it's important to really understand what their investment philosophy and risk tolerance is. Private equity funds are great for me. So this is the other investment outside of my business. I have a private equity fund. I'm a part of a private equity fund and we invest in privately owned businesses and we get to go in and control and operate those businesses so find a mentor who's already doing it greatest decision that i've made i didn't know a lot about private equity i knew i was interested in the private space opposed to the public markets we can do things a little different in the private markets than the public markets and so i would say find a mentor who's who's done it a great person is ace chapman i highly recommend people following Ace's page. He's doing some great work in terms of private equity, Ace Chapman. And um, he's my mentor and it's incredible. So find a mentor who's done it, decide how much you can and are willing to invest. You don't, you don't need a whole lot because the private equity fund is multiple people investing in the fund and then investing in, in um, privately held businesses. So mentor first, Ace has two books, one that just came out, so I highly recommend um, reading Ace's books, checking out Ace's page. He's on YouTube, um, Facebook, Instagram, all of that. Hello, Ms. Davis. This is Commissioner Scott out of Atlanta, Georgia. Nice to meet you. Hi, Commissioner Scott. Nice to meet you as well. Okay, I got a question. All right, so I'm assuming you find yourself in a room full of powerful men sometimes doing business, and you may be the only lady sometimes. How do you handle the intimidation? Do you get intimidated? Or what advice do you have to young ladies that may be in that similar situation? I was blessed to grow up with older brothers and I was blessed to play sports. And so I've always, since I was 12, have been in environments with men, period, but then also with men who are accomplished. So I think what's important is to not question yourself and to know that you know what you know, and you don't have to try to act smart or try to make them believe you're intelligent. Just show up and, and give and say what you know, but then also be humble enough to know that you're, you can always learn something. So you don't have to always be right and you don't have to prove yourself, but you know, will show up and come out. Okay. Thanks for that. I got one more follow-up question. Sure. Uh, Commissioner Scott of Atlanta again, what has been your big, biggest business lesson learned? Uh, so far, because we all take failures. Failures are not always bad, but is there one one loss that you feel like you could tell us that we can learn from? Yes, my biggest loss is going beyond the scope that I know that we can execute on. And so I had a client who asked, "Could we 
help them get booked on podcasts. Like, of course, that's our bread and butter. Like we can do that. We can do that. We can connect you with great podcasts. And then he said, well, oh, can you also check? Like, we really just need an admin. Can you like help us out on the email side? We get a lot of people asking me to do things. I'm like, of course, I can help you with that. And then he goes, you know, I also need some social media. And I was like, yeah, we can do that. And then he's like, well, I also want to get speaking engagements. And I'm like, all right, speaking engagement podcast is still reach out. We can do that too, right? So we have this crazy long scope of work and I'm excited because the deal is massive as you can imagine. And we get into it two months in, we come up with this plan. He's like, just do this part first. Then next month we'll do that. And we'll just keep building until we get it all. Commissioner Scott, I say, okay, cool, let's do it. So I'm doing this one part. A month and a half into it, he says to me, you know, I hired someone to get me booked, but, but you can keep doing this one thing that you're doing, the admin part. And so I just completely backed out. I was like, no, that's not what we agreed upon. The scope of work was here. Here's the one part that we would do. I told you these other parts were temporary. And so we just stopped working together because the scope of work um, just grew what we, we call a scope creep. And so biggest lesson is stick to what you do, do that well. And after you master that, if you can add capacity to your team to add in these other components, then add them in, but don't let the prospect of this massive deal that you know you can't fully execute on take you outside of the realm of what you're great at. Cause they're just going to find someone who can specialize in the thing anyway, because it's what they really need. Okay. So just be realistic about what you're willing willing to give, mm-hmm. even though sometimes we give overly ambitious, right? Yep, absolutely. Okay, Best well, lesson that Thank I've you for that. Appreciate that one. This is Kalali out of uh, Maryland. Uh, I got a question for you. Um, so I have a daughter. So, um, and we're just starting to get her involved in sports and things like that. So could you speak to us a little bit about, you know, what the benefits to, uh, to little girls are about, um, you know, engaging in sports, you know, basketball, since that's kind of your expertise, you know, uh, could you uh, give us a, a little bit, uh, a little bit on that? Sure. Kalali, so nice to meet you. Thank you for asking. I'm excited your daughter's going to play sports. There's a few things that happens when a little girl plays sports. The first thing is you get to build community that is focused on health, well-being, and accomplishing goals. And that's so key because we want, you know, all the girls to be healthy and we want them to know that they have the strength and power to be able to work together with others to accomplish a goal. The other thing I would say that's important is that you learn how to develop your voice In any sport that you play, you have to communicate with your team. You have to communicate with coaches. You have to learn how to bounce back after disappointment. And you get to see yourself progress in a skill, which is something you'll use throughout your entire life. Even to this day, for example, when I'm struggling, when I'm starting something new, which we'll talk about the business in a minute, but when I'm starting something new, I always think about the first time I tried to make a left-hand layup and how hard that was. But now it's effortless because you learn that with practice and reps, you just get better at a skill and then you're able to apply that to anything and everything in your life. So I'm so excited for your baby girl and that she's going to be playing sports and she'll be able to keep those lessons forever. Yeah, appreciate that. Definitely appreciate you uh, for coming on the show, Angela, and great meeting you as well. Um, got one other question for you. This one's uh, probably a little bit more layered than that. So uh, we know that 
especially in the year 2022, a huge part of, of generating wealth or generating generational wealth in the family, especially if you're married as I am, is, you know, uh, women earn, women's earnings, right? So what do you think about, or could you share some of your thoughts about um, existing income inequality between men and women? Particularly, I'm thinking about just just again digging into your to your uh, to your bag the the conversation about the income inequality between mm -hmm. uh, male basketball players and uh, and women basketball players at the professional level. Sure. So, it, thank you for asking about that. Income inequality is a really powerful conversation going on right now, and I think it's twofold. The first piece that I learned from my guy friends actually is that women need to learn how to negotiate sooner. I never learned how to negotiate. I was always just happy that the next job paid more than the one that I had. And I was talking to um, one of my really close friends. He's like a brother. And he said, men negotiate all the time. They're always in negotiation mode. And particularly, they are able to ask for way more than they think they can get way more than the job ask, and then they negotiate down, right? So they always over-negotiate, and that's something that women aren't taught. So if you can teach baby girl or other daughters or women in your lives how to negotiate, that will close some of that gap. For example, I left a job, and there was a friend of mine who was a woman who I connected to get this job. Well, this mutual friend that we had helped her negotiate. He was, I wasn't friends with him before I had this job or he would have helped me negotiate. He helped her negotiate <laughs> and her salary was more starting than mine was finishing. And I had been there three years and I had exponentially more experience than she had coming in, but she had someone help her negotiate. Um, lot, a logical negotiation, not typically what happens is I feel like I deserve X amount of money but you have to be able to speak to specifics of that role and how your new salary is gonna be um, commensurate with those job with that job description, which isn't something that's often discussed. And then the other thing, of course, is employers recognizing that they can do a better job. And I think there's more of a push now for that. In terms of sport, the second part of your question, that's a, that's a sticky one because a lot of it is based on advertising dollars, right? So we can say we want, equality in terms of salary, but where's the money going to come from if you're not buying, right? If the general public isn't out buying the season tickets to the Las Vegas Aces, like they're buying season tickets to the Clippers, then although we think women should be paid more, where is the money going to come from to pay them more, right? So there has to be not only a look at the organizations or the professional sports organizations, there also has to be a look at those in the general public who are saying that more needs to be done. Yeah, appreciate those answers, really do. Um, yeah, that that point on uh, that point on negotiating actually is interesting. I I was just talking to one of my friends. I, I think this was yesterday, and he's he was you know considering a new job offer, and 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 I was telling him, look, don't take the first number that they give mm -hmm. you. He's at least at least negotiate. I mean, even if you're not you know even if you're not sure, at least negotiate. But I feel like so often like fear holds us back because we're afraid like they're gonna walk away from us because of the job or something like that. But they're not gonna walk away if they if they sent you a job offer. You exactly. Know what I mean? They expect you to negotiate. Um, on the second point about uh, uh, about professional sports, yeah, I, I, I agree with the uh, with the advertising dollars. I kind of just feel like you know the WNBA wasn't given a fair shake 
by the NBA in the beginning anyway, in terms of how the WNBA is advertised to the public um, mm -hmm. to, to gen up that interest. Because marketing is, I mean, you in public relations, so you know that marketing yeah. is, a, is a big part of how the public perceives what the product is that you're selling. But you know, I don't want to take too much away. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So no, it's okay. I'll, I'll let Corey, I'll let Corey, uh, Corey go on a transition. Not a problem. You're right, though. It's definitely layered. It's it's a layered issue. Yeah, exactly. It's it's there's a lot to that. I just because I I've been thinking about it a lot, and it's like I just feel like the WNBA really did not get a fair shake because I don't know if a lot of people know, but the NBA actually owns the WNBA. So mm -hmm. it, or or we could say it's subsidized by uh, the NBA, and so. A lot of times I feel like the way that they marketed it was because of what they expected it to return. So they say, okay, well, we don't expect the WNBA to do as well. Um, some of it has to do with, okay, when you're scheduling the season, okay, how you're pitching it, all different things like that. Like I compare it to like, for instance, like we just saw, you know, the US Open as far as tennis, I compared to how tennis is is advertised in terms of tennis is advertised to us as a whole sport. It's not a men's sport. It's not a women's sure. sport. You're watching tennis. You're watching tennis. They might flip you over to a women's tennis event when you tuned in to see the men play. And But now we've gotten so used to it that we just accept the whole product. And that's how you get like a Serena Williams, sure. stuff like that. So, you know, that's kind of where my mind is at. But, you know, I didn't want That's a great point. Yeah. It's a great point. Yeah, I never thought about it in that way. If it was marketed or packaged together as basketball, professional basketball, then... That we'd see more cross promotion yeah, and cross branding. Maybe you, have, maybe you have a different, maybe you have a different result in terms of what people think about the sport in terms of why they might want to buy a ticket or why they might want to, because now it's the television dollars, right? So now exactly. why they might want to tune into the, you know, into the games and, and watch and, and that's going to generate bigger marketing dollars, which can then pay the women at least more money, at least what I would consider a living wage for a, for a yeah. professional athlete, because, you know, you know, right now the women are playing, you know, they're playing in WNBA one part of the season and they're going overseas to play um, in another in another season. So that's like two seasons we're in a space where, you know, a male athlete's only playing one. Agreed. But yeah. All great points. Yeah, but anyway, let me get off my soapbox. <laughs> we appreciate you advocating though. Thank you for your advocacy. <laughs> Black Men's Sunday, we keep it real in here. I see Commissioner Scott's unmuted. Let's go. Hey, Corey, uh, Kalali brought up a great point, though, because one time I did an internship, I was working with Lenny Santiago of Rock Nation. And one thing he told me, he said, Scott, make sure you always know your worth when you're dealing with people so you know what to ask. I think Conrad DeMach was on the show also. Corey, he said that P. Diddy told him, negotiate and understand what your worth is, right? So, Ms. Lewis, do you have any general guidance of how a person, a young person, get into business? They got consulting companies and services. How do they determine exactly what they're worth? Do they take their resume out and say, hey, I've done this, that, 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 that. This means I should be getting this much. Or how did you go about doing that? The first thing is understanding the market that you're in. And do people actually want it? Are they paying for it? So I can have a great resume of having done things. But if I haven't tested the market or researched the market or evaluated the market, it doesn't matter how great if no one wants to learn how to play basketball or if no one wants PR services of no, you know, you have to test the market. The second thing is once you've tested the market, you have to look at the services that you're providing and figure out who's paying for it and how much they're paying and for what range of services that they're willing to pay. So that helps 
determine. And some of it also is finding out who your most compatible client is, because there could be a lot of people. I'll just use my business, for example. There are a lot of people who may understand that being on podcasts makes sense. Speaking in public makes sense. Sharing your story makes sense. But they're not, but we don't work with everyone, right? So like we don't work with people who make mugs. We work with people who have a service-based business that transforms the lives of other people. So these could be business coaches. These could be marketing professionals. These are career coaches, employee engagement, right? Training and development people, because we believe in people connecting to create change, right? So even within your consulting business, you have to figure out who your tribe is, who your people are that you're going to serve, and then what's their capacity and how much value can you add to them? Okay, thanks. Appreciate that. You're welcome. I want to talk about ALA Public Relations. You're the CEO of that. From my point of view, when I'm doing my research, you're basically helping clients. And I mainly see a lot of authors um, gaining media attention because I understand now the power of the podcast. So let's talk about that a little bit. We are just in love with our clients. We love the people we work with because they actually care about people. We don't believe in vanity and people wanting to just talk about how great they are. Like we're not in, and there's, there are people who do that. Like I'm not hating by any means, no shade, no cap, all those things around that. There are people who do that and that's fine. But we really believe that there are so many amazing people doing work that makes a difference for others. And we love to help those people share their stories. So that's a little different with us. And as you mentioned, authors, most of these people have been in their careers five, 10, 15 years. So they are experts and have unique perspectives, which is why they wrote books around their work. And so we love helping them share their stories. All right, great. And let's talk a little bit about social media. I, I think I heard you mention, you know, you guys give tips on that. So we're on Black Men Sundays. We're a podcast. Give some social media tips. There's other brothers that have podcasts that listen to our show as well. So from the ALA CEO perspective, what um, social media tips would you give? The social media tips, I would say, are decide which platform or platforms you're going to use, especially starting out. You don't have to be on every platform. You don't have to dance on TikTok and be on Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat and Facebook. There's just, it's a lot out there. So the first tip was just decide which platform you want to be on. The second is have a strategy around it. Um, and then move forward with that strategy. Social media is the long game. You're not going to get 10,000 followers overnight. I mean, for us, we started and then we put a pause to regroup. And then we'll relaunch our social media in November. So it's okay sometimes to just fall back to restructure, reorganize, and then come back out with a better plan after you've tested a few things. And then the third piece I would say is re use the content. This is specifically for podcasting, podcast hosts, or even people who are our clients. Podcast is such great content, long form content in terms of blogs or slides that you can use on social media, short form content in terms of quotes. And then there's also, as you know, audiograms, video clips. There's the pre-interview clips that you can have, the post-interview debriefs. So there are so many ways to utilize great content that you already have that you've already produced through podcasting. I think after I spoke to you a while back, you told me it's a long game. At some point, you know, posting on Instagram 
it's not doing anything, but I put it on TikTok. I'm like, man, it's getting over a thousand. So mm -hmm. I feel like now I'm starting to see that it is the long game, but you know, I know there's a lot of podcast hosts, a lot of brothers that want to start their own podcast that are listening. So that's why I kind of want to keep it on the ALA public relations. So if brothers want to contact you, um, how can they do that? If you want to contact me, you can reach out. Our website is alapublicrelations.com. We have a contact form there. You can reach out on Instagram. My personal Instagram is Angela Lewis underscore PR. And then our team page on Instagram is ALA Public Relations on Instagram. So feel free to reach out. We'll love to connect and help in any way that I can. So what advice would you have for, you know, the brothers and sisters out there that are trying to really kick their podcast numbers up, but they just don't know how to do it? The first thing that there are three things if you want to grow your podcast. One, I would say is create an email list of all of the people, you know, those who know and care about you, those people who are also within your network, maybe you're a part of fraternity or sorority, maybe you're part of some professional organizations. If you can get those email lists, then you can let a number of people know that is launching or you can keep them updated with your episode. So let's, we put a lot of we meaning culturally in the business world, put a lot of emphasis on social, but email is gold. The other thing is utilizing LinkedIn. It's a great platform because LinkedIn hits people in multiple places. One, they get a notification that something has occurred on LinkedIn, um, that you've made a post, but then also they get an email if you reach out to them directly. So there's two, there's two ways to connect. And then the third piece, of course, is being really clear about what the goal is and in what time frame. And then I'd add a bonus is you can boost the post. So you can actually pay for advertising. A lot of people think because they have a podcast or because they wrote a book or because they did a thing, now everyone's going to flock to them. No, 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 no. There's millions of other people who are vying for that same attention. And so when you're building out your podcast or whatever service that you're creating, build in some advertising dollars because that'll allow you to, to boost. It will boost the amount of visibility around your service. There's Commissioner Scott one more time. Uh, could you just reiterate how important it is for young people to really understand what their passion is and really pursue that? Because a lot of times young kids, they get into careers because it sounds good. You know, mm -hmm. they want to be a doctor, a lawyer, all that. Uh, but, you know, you had a couple of careers, right? But I guess, were you always passionate about what you're doing now? And uh, does that give you the energy to really go full-fledged on it because you're passionate about it? I'll start with the kids first. So for the young people, what's missing in the conversation, in my opinion, with young people is the need for mentors. They have to learn how to have conversations with people who've been where they want to go and how to build those relationships authentically in a way that doesn't burn a bridge because they will need those relationships in the future. It's impossible for young people to actually know what it's going to take, especially how quickly the world changes. So if, if they can learn, whether we're talking high school, college, if they can get a, a broad range of mentors specifically to help them learn certain skills, that's transformative. So if there's a young person, let's use um, sports, for instance, right? If there's a young person who's interested in playing professional basketball, it'll be important to talk to, to see if they can find an agent so they can learn what that's like, to find a strength and conditioning coach 
to find a performance enhancement coach, like someone who can a specific skill set, like to become a better shooter. They need to talk to lawyers, right? And then they need an, an accurate assessment if it is even viable for them for that to be. But you can't get all that in one person. And oftentimes, especially young athletes, they try to latch on to like the coach and their coach is their God. Well, no, your coach can teach you how to play, but there are all these other areas of that accomplishing that goal where they need mentors. So that's the first part. Young people get a plethora of mentors in whatever your interests are, because that'll help you. That'll help them understand what it takes. Did I always want to do this? Yes and no. We all have these like gifts that are innate that we don't even know we have because we're just being who we are. So I've always loved connecting people. I've always loved talking to people. I've always loved helping people, but I didn't know that it would manifest in this way because podcasting didn't exist 40 years ago. There was radio, there was TV, but I've always loved speaking. My mom tells stories about how I used to speak in church as a kid. So, but I didn't know that this would be it. But as you mentioned, I tried a lot of different things, but it always involved connecting people and speaking and learning new things. And I lived in Germany. So when I played professional basketball, I lived in Germany. So I had the travel bug. So I'm not surprised that I'm sitting in another country talking to you guys about connecting people to talk to people, right? That makes sense. And so the last part, does that interest fuel my passion? Now, absolutely, because it's crystal clear. You have to go through some things, try some things, get knocked down, bump your head, turn some wrong corners to land at, okay, I'm, I'm in my lane and now I can punch the gas. And while we're talking about the podcast, a lot of brothers always ask, man, I like the podcast, but I, I need to get paid. Mm. I need to monetize. So do you have any uh, podcast monetizing tips? Ask people. I mean, that's one of the first ways is sales. So if you can show brands and start small, it may be $10 per month, $20 per month and say, here's what I'm doing. Here's why. Here's the audience I'm reaching. Here's what we hope to gain from them. And then here's how the money that you're paying will benefit you and how the money that you're paying will also help grow the platform over time. People, unless it's a Joe Rogan or like this massive platform, advertisers and businesses aren't like running to fund new projects. But if you can present a compelling reason why they should and keep asking when 90% of the people say no, then you can gain some traction. But as long as you can show how what you're doing is going to benefit the person you're asking, you have a chance to monetize much quicker than you probably, than they probably think. Hey, Corey, it sounds like Ms. Lewis just said that brothers need to have a solid business plan together because when they start asking for money from these companies, they're going to want to see a business plan eventually, right? So a lot of people are in business and they don't really got a, a robust business mm -hmm. plan. So that's what I'm hearing yeah. Absolutely. There's some, even if it's a full plan or one page synopsis, executive summary, and start with the people within your circle, the people who know and love you. Those are probably the people who you can get to say, yeah, I'll subscribe to your podcast for $10 a month. You get 50 people to do that. And you know, we're making some progress. Then you can go to bigger people and say, we already have these supporters. Wow. We're Great paying answer. Netflix, you know, we're paying Netflix and Hulu and whatever else we're subscribed to. Angela Lewis, thanks for coming on Blackness Sundays. Did you have a great time today? I had an amazing time. Y'all asked some really wonderful questions and I really like this format. This is the first time that I've been on a podcast where there have been multiple people asking questions. And I really, I think it's unique 
and it makes for an even richer conversation. Check.